Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. scriptures out of those four chapters today. But today's message is entitled, Payday is Coming. Just talking with someone the other day about some of the evil and the things that are going on in the world and, and how we have seen and watched and, and do see almost that people that are unrighteous, people that are influential, people that are uh, leading other men, certainly in the culture that we're in, seem to get away with living lifestyles that are contrary to the Scripture. They do things that are, are evil and wicked, and it almost seems like they get away with those things, and the righteous are the ones who are punished. But you know, the Bible does speak of a day that's coming, and we're going to talk about that today in Isaiah. And much of Isaiah's prophecy, and that he has 66 books in, his, in the, the prophecies of Isaiah, and it speaks of a day. It speaks of the day of the Lord in specific. And we're going to talk about that today. What we see is outlined in Isaiah's prophecies throughout his work in ministry is the doom of pagan nations being foretold. Again, Isaiah was written 
some 600 years before Christ. It was written at a time that uh, Israel was reached its peak of apostasy. They had gotten away from God and fallen from God and God was going to allow them to be taken captive into the nations. There was a book written back in the early 70's. Many of you probably have heard the name. Uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. It was written by a man named Richard Bach. And it was on the bestseller list for several months that particular year. It earned its writer a fortune. The story deals with a seagull that overcomes the limitations of time and space and becomes completely free to go its own way. No doubt a good many people identified with this unusual seagull. Multitudes of men and women today would like to escape the restrictions of reality and of sin and be free to fly high, to free fly wide and in the past entirely of their own choosing. In a review of Bach's novel in Moody Monthly, Oliver Price comments that, quote, what Isaiah and other biblical writers call sin is really flipped over and made the highest virtue in the bizarre world of Jonathan Livington Seagull. The difference is that Isaiah and the other biblical writers knew that they were responsible to a holy and almighty God who will judge all men. Jonathan does not know that. He is plainly defying all natural limitations, which he regards as mere illusion, and throwing off all laws and traditions which hinder his attaining unlimited freedom. He is looking for a life in which he is perfectly free to do as he pleases. In brief, he seems to be trying to break out of the limited creaturehood and into unlimited godhood, unquote. You know, it's interesting to note that the author of the book is a Christian scientist. He's divorced, and he says he will never again be able to live with the impingements of marriage. Christians know that sin, Satan, and the world around us are grim realities. We know that in our own strength, we're unable to cope with these adverse forces. The portion of Isaiah's prophecy, which we're going to look at today, faces, frankly, the reality of sin and its consequences. And it goes on to depict the graphic terms, the truth, that our holy God will not only judge evil in all of his forms, but he will ultimately deliver us, his people, from its effects. Sin will not always go on as it always has. You know, the, the Apostle Peter said that at the time of the end, men would say, where is the promise of His coming? All things continue as they were since the beginning of time. And you know, we were talking a little bit before this service with some of the folks here that, you know, sin runs a cycle. You know, it has a starting point and then it reaches a, a peak each country or each empire or each uh, civilization, and then there's a downfall. You know, we are right now, in terms of the world, going down. You just look around, turn on the news, and we can see the collapse of our society all around us. Sin has a payday, and it's coming. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk today. Lord, to address your people. These are your people, Lord. They're good people. Father, we need Your Word to be alive in us. Your Word is living and powerful. It is anointed. Anoint me to minister Your Word to this people and anoint each ear to hear and each heart to receive. Do Your work in us, Lord. Speak to us. Strengthen and encourage us. Inform us. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen and Amen. Four things we'll look at today. And four different passages of Scripture in Isaiah. Number one, we're going to see destruction is foretold. Payday is coming. In chapter 13, verse 6, we have these words written. And this really, if I took all the Scriptures that I was, I'm going to read today, this one verse, this one verse is the most powerful that you need to know and understand. And, and, let, and let it speak to you. How ye, Isaiah says, for the day of the Lord is at hand. 
It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Think about that for a moment. How ye... He's warning the people. He's making declaration. It's not one of joy, of happiness, of, of glee. It's, it's rather the opposite of that. Men to be armed to begin to howl for the... Notice that phrase, four words there, that's found throughout the Old Testament quite often, but very seldom do we hear preached on today. It's the day of the Lord. What does that actually mean, the day of the Lord? It, 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 I want you to think about this for a minute. It encompasses a time frame of at least 1,007 years. It may be more or so, but at least 1,007 years, the day of the Lord. And it starts, it begins as a day of destruction. Seven of those years will be absolute hell on earth. Seven of those years will be a time of destruction. Now many prophecy teachers erroneously teach today that only three and a half years of that seven year period will be destruction. That's not true. Uh, all seven will be bad. All seven will include death, war, and destruction. The last half of that seven year, the three and a half years, is called the Great Tribulation. It will be almost unbearable to those who are living on the earth at that time. It's a time of God's reckoning. It's payday for sin. Now what I want you to understand, and try to think and reason with me if you could. This is very difficult to explain. I've thought over it many, many times, but we live in time and in space right now. Hello? We live in a, a tangible time frame. Those of us who are alive on the earth right now. Sin has been going on for a long time. Now, God's not just going to punish you know, one generation for the whole generation, but what we're going to see is the culmination of sin coming to a head. Convergence is the word I would use. And also the kingdom of God, which will come later on in this message, as we'll see, to rule over the earth. That's a part of the day of the Lord. The, the good thing about the day of the Lord is a thousand years of peace is going to ensue. It's only seven years of wrath. But God is going to deal with sin not only on the earth, but in the spiritual realm all at the same time during this period, the day of the Lord. And we'll see that as we move along. But Isaiah is declaring it's going to be a day of destruction. When you work on your job and you do the task that's assigned to you at the end of the week, you have something coming to you. Hello? It's called paycheck. It's called payday. Amen. That's a good thing. We live a life of sin and we live a life of rebellion toward God. There's coming a payday. Uh, for every man, for every woman, payday is coming. Uh, you may escape the day of the Lord through death, but you'll still stand before the Lord and give an account for your life. And without knowing Him, without being redeemed by the Lord, uh, we will spend an eternity away from God. Payday is coming. But there is coming a time on the earth when the events will converge and we're seeing those things happening in our day and our time today. Now let me say this very clearly. I'm not predicting any dates or times, but notice Isaiah said the day of the Lord is at hand. How long ago was that he wrote that? 2,600 years ago. If it was at hand in Isaiah's day, how much closer are we to it than, than we are today? Because the events that we're about to read about have not yet taken place. But I believe they're about to. Now let me say this. If Christ would tarry, we're going to see the collapse of our civilization. Do you know that? Or do you think that? Do you believe? Do you, I know that. You know why I know that? We're what, $60 trillion in debt as a, as a country right now? Do you think that's sustainable? Are we going to pay that off? No. Okay, so collapse is coming one way or the other. And, and should the Lord tarry, civilization will fall as we know it today, and then it will be rebuilt again. Why? That's the pattern and the cycle that we have seen. If you're a student of history, you know that's true. But I believe we're at a 
time right now where I believe we're going to see the day of the Lord and the day of His coming because of the events that we see prophesied in Scripture. And that should give you some hope. Come on now. Look at verse 7. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. That's a time coming. Again, the convergence of time and eternity. God's will and plan is going to break into this time and space realm you and I live in, and He's going to have His way. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's going to have His way. And think about it, all, all men on the earth. Now, Isaiah is using language that if you go to the Bible, the very back of the, uh, the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John uses much of the same language, describing the events called the tribulation. So we're talking about the same thing here. Look at verse 8. And they shall be afraid. Who? Those men that are on the earth. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain like a woman travailing. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. That's what's going to happen to the people living on the earth during this time called the day of the Lord as it begins. People are going to be amazed. How, did this, how can this be? You know there are going to be people sitting in churches going to be totally amazed that this has happened. Do you know I'm not going to be one of them? Amen. <laughs> you better not be. I don't know how many times I've told you it's coming. We're here. We're there. It's, it's, it's at this point. We can see the events developing. This is coming on the world. And it's a payday that they have wealthed. They've earned it. Amen. Come on now. You and I have earned it too, but we thank God for His grace and mercy and willingness to forgive if we turn to Him and repent. Amen? Verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. That's what's coming. You know, Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery in the New Testament. And that mystery was that God's going to remove the righteous from the earth before this event takes place. You hear what I'm saying? It's called the blessed hope in 1 Thessalonians. There'll be no Christians on the earth when this takes place. God will not pour out His wrath and anger upon those whom He has forgiven and redeemed. He will remove the bride and those who are left will face the unmitigated wrath of God. Without mixture, it will be poured out of the cup of His wrath. You know how I look at a time? If you just turn on the news, you see people lying straight up telling you things that is not true whatsoever. You know, we have a, a, a president, a leader, who they will stop at nothing to discredit and destroy him and lie about him. Think about How would you think about that? Yeah. Do you think that's going to keep going on? Mm-hmm. Now, either, either a couple things that happen. Either they're going to kill him that's right. or God's going to step in and intervene. And I'm looking for God to end. Come on now. I'm looking for Him to step in and intervene. But here's a man trying to do what's right. They won't let Him govern. They'll do nothing. And that's our own leadership. Fight. The people in His own party. Keep the little petty stuff. Let alone the opposition. Now notice, if you stand for good and righteousness today, you're called a bigot, a racist, you're intolerant. But if you lie and you cheat and you steal, you're okay. That's okay. Did you, is any one of you living here in this room, have you ever seen anything like that ever before? You know why we're seeing it? God is preparing the world for His wrath. Let me, take, let me give an example, or an illustration rather. If the Lord Jesus Christ were to rapture the church tomorrow, Christians were removed. The president was removed. Who would take over? Obama. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? 
Do you hear what he just said? There's a, there's a system already in place of wickedness and evil. The Bible calls it the mystery of iniquity, which is already working. That's going to step right in that void. And these people cry, you know, he's not my president. Uh, he, he, uh, they, they can't accept the fact they lost an election. Come on now. These people are going to have their way. I believe God's going to let them have it. And you know what? They're going to taste it, and they're not going to like the taste when they get a hold of it. He knows how to reserve the center, the Scripture says, for what? For judgment. The day of the Lord come. Cruel and wrath. He's going to destroy the sinners out of it. How would you like to be on the other end of God's discipline? His wrath. Think about it. We, we're disciplined by the Lord, chastened by the Lord because He loves us. Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. They're going to face His wrath and His anger. <coughs> Father's Day today, amen. amen. How many men feared the wrath of their father when he was coming up? <laughs> you know, Dad, could, he could lower the boom on you. Come on now. What do you think God can do? You get Him angry. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And we were talking earlier, because this week there's several articles in, in the news if you're paying attention there. And one of them again is on the what we call Planet X, or the planet that is uh, either a brown dwarf star or a planet. It's a star system that is its orbit actually comes close to our own uh, nine uh, planet system in the Milky Way, and it's on an, uh, an elliptical orbit. And these um, bodies, uh, we we would call them, whether they're asteroids or planets or, or burned out suns, nobody really knows for sure. At least we don't have that information available publicly. But these bodies carry with it size and gravity, gravitational pull, and we're seeing a lot of the, it's outside of Jupiter, which is where the Kuiper belt is, there's a large body of asteroids that are, that are out there, and a lot of these are coming in toward Earth. How many have noticed over the last two or three years a lot of the near misses of asteroids, and they only catch them like two days before they, they actually hit the Earth or go beside it. We had one hit Russia, what, two years ago, and it was called uh, some automobiles dash cabs coming in. It said it hit with the force of like two or three Hiroshima bombs, thankfully in an unpopulated area. But we're seeing more of these signs from heaven, and, and of course I do believe that this planet X, or whatever you want to call it, will play a part in this end time tribulation. It's supposed to be moving closer this way. That's why we're having more seismic events. We had a 4.0 in Yellowstone this week. NASA yesterday flew over uh, and took photographs from space of that area because they're predicting a major seismic event. And uh, Roger knows quite a bit about that and that if that were to blow, it would devastate. Most of this country would be gone. Okay? We, we sit on the just to the west uh, in Missouri on the New Madrid fault line. That's a, an area that's uh, had seismic activity of late. And so we see a lot of events that are, that are lining up for what we would call the day of the Lord. Now look at verse 10. And I think this can give us a clue. For the stars of heaven and their constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened and it's going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Now what would cause an event like that to take place? Now this is in the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? Okay, so now this has never happened before, so what would cause this to happen? Volcanoes, earthquakes. Or a, a planet body, a satellite, like a moon of one of these planet X or whatever, was to come between the sun and the moon or the earth and cause it to black out. Now notice, I want to bring your attention from Isaiah to Luke chapter 21. You don't have to turn there. I'll just quote it for you. But Jesus said that in that time when God pours out His wrath that we're speaking of today, when payday comes, that men would look up and that their hearts would fail them. Sounds almost like what Isaiah is saying. For fear of those things they see coming upon the earth. Coming from where? From the second heaven outer space. Men's hearts would fail them for fear. 
He also said the sun would be dark and the moon would not give her light. Many erroneously, and, and I say this very clearly, when I talked about the blood moon tetrad that we just came through in 2015, many said, well, nothing happened on that day. And, and other Christians other Christians said, well, that, that, that wasn't biblical because it says... And, and Luke, that, or Revelation, I'm sorry, that the stars will fall from the sky. They're different events. And I never said anything would happen on that day. It's a sign that we came through. A sign. The Joel chapter 3 sign. The Acts chapter 2 sign. That's all that is. A sign. When you're driving to a city from here to Washington, D.C., uh, we went down to Leesburg yesterday. We kept seeing signs. Alexandria, 60 miles. Alexandria, 70 miles. It's just a sign. My car didn't blow up at the sign. You know, I didn't end up in Alexandria when I saw the sign. It's just telling me that something up ahead, the city of Alexandria, is X amount of miles away. That's what a sign is. But there is a time when these things are going to happen. And I think we're beginning to see those things shape up today. The stars will, of heaven will, will, will stop. How can you blot out the stars from shining, the sun and the moon? Something has to enter into the orbit of this solar system to literally blot them out. Literally. Now let's read on. Why is this going to happen? You ask that question. Why would this happen? Well, he had, God answers his own question. Verse, the very next verse, verse 11. I will what? Punish the world for their evil. I'm going to punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. There's a payday coming. This global elite, these rulers that are using the world for their own little playground to do their own wickedness. You know, we have the President Dwight D. Eisenhower, President John F. Kennedy, a Republican and a Democrat, both warned that the United States would be possibly taken over by the military-industrial complex. Well, we know that happened because we had, we had not only come out of Korea, we went into Vietnam, we've been all in the Middle East, Afghanistan and so forth. And, Asia, spending billions and billions on weapon systems, testing them out, and then selling them to the uh, Middle Eastern countries and other third world nations in Africa at, at, a, at a profit of multiplied billions, probably trillions at this point. Think about that. Is that evil? Is that unrighteous? We're still trillions. They, they was just said just uh, I think it was two days ago in the newspaper that uh, the Trump administration is sending forty thousand more troops to Afghanistan. My question is, why? What's the purpose? What is that? What is forty thousand more going to do, Roger? Nothing. But we have a, a perpetual war going on. We just made a deal to sell Saudi Arabia three hundred and seventy billion dollars of airplanes. God's going to punish the world for their iniquity. How many people have died? Now, you know, let me, let me, let, 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 let's back up a little bit make it real. We have a group of people running our country, both in Republican and Democrat side, both. The Democrats are sold against Trump. They're not going to work with him at all. who are trying to say he's colluding with the Russians against our national interests. That is an absolute lie. Now here, here's what I want you to see. Why does no one say that then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton sold, I, I forget how, how many billions of dollars worth of uranium to Russia without authorization? Why is nothing said about that? Evil, collusion, sin. Who has more potential to hurt America by their actions? Uh, Donald J. Trump or Hillary Clinton? Hillary. 
did Trump remove the FBI director, Comey, from office? said he was incompetent, not doing his job correctly. That's true. The very people who are wanting Trump's head right now were calling for Comey's removal 10 months ago. Why change their mind all of a sudden? Do you know James Comey's brother, his brother, did the taxes for the Hillary Clinton Foundation? Why is he not under investigation for fraud? Why has 30 billion, 30 billion disappeared from the Clinton Foundation over the last few months? Nothing being said about any of that, but yet the president's been colluding with Russia, and so far we've seen no proof whatsoever. See, wickedness is abounding throughout our nation and throughout our land. God's going to deal with it. When the church is removed, there'll be no restraint. These people, now notice, who shot the Republican congressman? Democrat. A Democrat, left-wing Democrat, Bernie Sanders supporter. Who's wanting gun control? Now, the congressman that was shot doesn't even want gun control. But the left wing calls for gun control, but they're the ones rioting and shooting and threatening people. Uh-huh. Think about that for a minute. They won't be the ones with guns. They're the ones, they're the ones that are good. <laughs> it, it's convoluted. Yes, it is. But here's the point that we're making today. Payday is coming. It may look like the righteous are losing the battle right now, is what I'm trying to say. It looked like that in Isaiah's day, but Isaiah was assuring them that and the remnant that there would be a day when God would make things right. He's going to take the crooked and make it straight. He's going to take the rough and make it smooth. Because God is God, hallelujah, all by Himself. And He knows what He's doing. Now what is going on here in the kingdom of man in time and space, and this is when God intervenes, okay, the day of glory. He steps in and does some things, okay? What's going on? There is... Man's kingdoms, okay, where human beings are doing what they're doing, but there's a kingdom behind man. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a spiritual kingdom on this earth, along with the kingdoms of humans, that is moving against God. There's a rebellion against God and His kingdom and His authority. How many know that? There is a rebellion. It's active. It's been going on for a long time. And this payday is not only going to punish the wicked men on the earth, it's going to punish those that are responsible spiritually for this wickedness and for this evil. Somebody say amen. Amen. My second point is humiliation. God is going to humiliate those who are against Him. They are the one. Notice they're haughty and proud. Have you watched the former president get up and give a speech and talk to people like they're just cattle or something, and yet he's the most wicked and, and, and uneven human being I've ever seen. Pride. Hillary Clinton gives a speech. How does anybody vote for somebody like that? She gives a speech as she looks down her nose at everybody. Hello? <laughs> Pride and arrogance are going to be humiliated before our Almighty God. Somebody say Amen. And the big, the biggest center of all is who? Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 12. Isaiah pens these immortal words. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How thou art cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Why do we not have righteousness in the world today? Why do we not have equality? Why do we have wars and troubles and problems? Why do we have political disputes? Why do we have sin running amok? Because there's a devil loose. There's a devil loose. He has a kingdom. And his kingdom, spiritually speaking, controls the physical kingdoms of the world. You and I, we long for righteousness. I was talking to someone the other day. He said, I I don't want to have kids. Young person, I don't want to have kids. I don't want them to be indoctrinated in these school systems that we have. I don't want them to come up in the world that we're living in today and be polluted by all this nonsense. Amen. I understand the feeling. You know what? God doesn't want that either. 
He's going to change some things. Amen? Payday is coming, as I said. And here he's making declaration to that one known as Lucifer. We call him Satan, the devil, the dragon, the serpent of old. He's weakened the nations. Look what his declaration against God. This is the very beginning of sin right here. Verse 13, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Who sits on the mount of congregation in the sides of the north? According to the Bible, God the Father does. What is this cherub saying? I'm going to take his seat. I'm going to sit in his chair. I'm going to be on the throne. I'm going to exalt myself above the stars. That's the angels of God in heaven. And I'm going to be God. Look what he said. He even says that. I will ascend, verse 14, the heights above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the Most High. <laughs> See, Jonathan Livingston Seagull wanted to be free from the restraints of a god. He wanted to be his own god. What do these men ruling these nations today want? They want to be God. They don't want a holy God ruling over them. They want a, a world with, where they're God, where they set up their utopia, so to speak. You and I are just there to either be a stepping stone to help them achieve that or one that they can use as fodder to get them in the position that they want to be in. It's the same spirit behind this new world order, this United Nations that's behind Lucifer and his rebellion against God. But what does God make, what does God declare? What does He say to the ambitions of this fallen cherub? What does He say? The one who was perfect in all His ways according to Ezekiel until iniquity was found in Him. One who was made by God to, to probably be seated over the throne as a guardian cherub, the throne of God. He said, I want to be God. I'm not happy where I am now. I want to be God Himself. And I want all of God's creation to worship me. What does God say? What's His response? Verse 15. Yet you will be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. Anytime the devil harasses you, harangues you, it gives you problem, you just remind him of where he's headed. Because Almighty God says in His Word, you will be brought down to the sides of the pit, to hell itself. That's your destiny. You know where my destiny is? Where your destiny is, friends? We're going to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. We are seated with Him now, spiritually, but we're going to be raised up at that great day. Just before this day of the Lord, we're going to be raised up to be with Him. Hallelujah. And we see the humiliation of the enemy right here, verse 16. They that will see you shall narrowly look upon They're going to squint their eyes when they say, Is that? Is that? Is that Him? How many know there's going to be people in hell? There's going to be angels in hell. And Lucifer's going to be in hell. And they're going to squint there and they're going to narrowly look upon him. What does he say? And say, and they're going to consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? Is this the man that made and shook kingdoms? This chump, this worm, this one did all this destruction. This. Let me add it. <laughs> you brought me here by following you. This is where I end up with you here in this place. says verse 70, He made the world a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof and He opened up the house of His prisoners. He brought them all down with Him. He promises them liberty, but he's, he, he and they are servants of corruption. They that follow the Antichrist, the beast, and the, and the serpent, they're going to end up in the pit of hell away from God for all eternity. 
away from his creation. What did they do this? They made the world a wilderness. The Bible says in that time frame, the day of the Lord, that unless those days, that seven year period, were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Who's behind it all? The fallen cherub. And fallen wicked men who followed him willingly. Willingly. There is a payday. There's a payday. The Bible talks of a payday. And it's, it's well on its way. As you can see. Thirdly, we see the distress. Chapter 24. Distress. We talk about Debiru or Planet X or whatever brown dwarf number whatever they call it. Coming by the earth, bringing with it asteroids and impacts and things. People laugh. They say, oh, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. And we saw the History Channel special last week on that very same subject. It's very well acknowledged that this is a possibility that it could happen. But I want us to see this here. Read the language in Scripture. Men who did not have telescopes or spacecraft up there photographing objects in, in distant space. But look what they say. Isaiah says here in verse 1 of chapter 24, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty. He maketh it waste. He turns it upside down and scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. I want to stop there. God never made the earth waste and without a purpose. Neither we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and verses 2. I know there was a gap between 1, 1 and 1, 2. Because the Bible says God did not make the earth and, that, and Jeremiah, this is in Isaiah we're reading, without in vain. In other words, tohu abohu. He did not make it that way. It became a waste and void because of sin and rebellion. How long has this been going on? Man, as Bishop Usher would count, has only been on the earth for 6,000 years. I agree with that genealogy to Adam, 6,000. The earth itself is billions of years old. When you go down into the strata, you will see very different ages, aeons of time. The Precambrian era, the, as many, many thought Lucifer might have fallen between that time. We see the age of the Jurassic Age. In other words, di different life forms and creatures would come on the scene, seemingly out of nowhere. That's why evolution is so ridiculous. There's no missing links. There was a creation. And then it was extinct by some type of either fireball or ice age, either or. Then there's another type of creatures, and they become extinct. Another kind of creatures, and they become extinct. Now we have man on the earth 6,000 years ago. 1,500 years after, there's a flood that kills all men except eight. And now we have a repopulated earth. And we're looking at another destruction. Now who's doing the destructing? God is. God is bringing judgment. But why? Does God want to just destroy the creation that He makes? No. There's something causing Him to have to destroy it because that creation embraces Lucifer's rebellion and God must step in and act. But here we're at the final act. Here we're at the end of the book. There'll be no more ages except one. That's an eternal age. We're in the final age, church. This is it. Now whether it comes in your lifetime or mine, I don't know. It looks to be a good chance it's our lifetime. But I can't say that for sure. But it will come. I can say that on the authority of His Word. It will come. And it will be ended. Now, right here it says he's going to turn the world upside down. What do we call that in modern science? A pole shift. Do you know that reputable science today says that a pole shift is going to happen? And what will trigger the pole shift is magnetic force. If an object comes between the earth 
and the moon close enough, big enough, it will cause the earth to flip on its axis. Now, is that in the Bible other than this passage here? Yes. You read in Revelation, the Bible says that, or Luke 21, that that men will look up and the the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. They're going to look up and stars will be rolling around. Why? Because the earth is shifting. The South Pole will become the North Pole. The North Pole will become the South Pole. And that's what he's saying. Because it's God's judgment. Has it happened before? Look through the strata of the earth and you can see God uses His creation to bring judgment to sentient beings who oppose Him. Now, does this make God out to be the bad guy? Or the guy wanting to pour out his wrath? No, he warns each generation. He, pro- he provides a way of escape. And he does for our generation as well. You don't have to go through this. Amen? Amen. Amen. Noah didn't have to go through the flood because he built an ark. Enoch didn't go through the flood because he raptured him. Somebody say amen. Amen. And you and I don't go through this payday that's coming to the world that they've accrued because of Christ's blood on that cross and our faith in Him. He's coming for us. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Verse 2 on begins to say it's going to be like this for everybody. No matter what strata of life you're in, you're going to face this. Verse 6, he says this curse is going to devour the whole earth and they that dwell are going to be desolate and the inhabitants of the earth are going to be burned and few men will be left. Few. Would you like to live through that time? No. Would you like to be alive when God pours out His wrath and anger on the whole earth? No way. When the earth shifts? When men's hearts begin to fail them for fear? When they begin to see these sights? Fearful sights in the heavens. Fearful. What would, what would bring fear to you, Tony Davis, if you looked up in the sky and you saw the sun blotted out? You couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. And meteorites, falling stars begin hitting the earth all over the earth. Fires begin to break out and burn. People dying all over the place. Screaming. The earth was shaking and moving. People are going to die just just sheer heart attack right on the spot. Or fear. fear. Can you imagine... I, I can't, my mind just can't imagine that much fear. But it's real. Imagine being so afraid. I've been afraid where I almost pee myself. But this is so bad, you just die. You're like, oh my God. What's God doing? He's going to rid the world of sin, He's getting it ready for His kingdom. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. And that kingdom is going to be a glorious kingdom. Now he goes on, he talks about all of this, the drinking the wine is not going to help them. Uh, confusion is going to be uh, the, the order of the day. The cities are going to be left destroyed. In verse 13, in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. What's the purpose of this? Sister Robin asked earlier and, and a very good question about the Jewish people and this pertains to them. This is what is their fate. And it's a good fate. It's not a bad one. It's a good one. Because God, what we talked earlier about the different harvests. The barley harvest, the wheat harvest. Now you have the grape and the olive harvest. Each in its season. This takes place in the fall. In the natural sense, the the olives and the grapes are harvested in the fall. To harvest olive, you have to shake the tree. And they fall off. Then you gather them. Literally, God is going to shake the Israelite nation so hard, under control, His control, that the remnant of Israel is going to come to faith in their Messiah Jesus. They're going to recognize who He is. So God's wrath, though it is destructive towards sinners, listen to me, it's redemptive toward the saints. 
It's redemptive. If you get really, really sick, think about this for a moment. And the Jews are very sick. They don't believe in Jesus. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. It's in the book. They're sick, spiritually. You physically get sick. They'll start cutting things off. Why? To save your life. Okay? If, 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 can I live without a leg or an arm? Don't want that, right? But I mean, you can. You get gangrene in your arm, and they don't they don't take take it off. Then you, you're going to die. It's going to kill you. So God is literally performing surgery on the world, and He's cutting sin out, and He's going to save that remnant what He can save. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, we as you, why do we get to that point? You know, I didn't turn to Christ when everything was going well in my life. I turned to Him when things weren't going well. And now I can thank God things weren't going well because I wouldn't have turned to Him. Do you see what I'm saying? You have two responses during this period of time. Men will either curse God because of the judgments that are all coming on the earth, curse Him, or they're going to repent and turn to Him for salvation. They'll cry out for mercy. Two responses. When God dealt with the Egyptians and the Israelites... In Moses' day, Moses just continued to harden his heart. No matter, he saw God's hand, he saw his power, but he said, I'm not going to serve you. God struck his firstborn. Then God killed his army and him in the Red Sea. But the Israelites found salvation, and they saw God. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we see a great time of distress. Destruction, humiliation of sin, sinners, and distress. But fourthly we see restoration. Chapter 27. And we'll close there. Chapter 27, verse 1. And in that day the Lord with His sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. And in that day, sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle. Who would do that? In other words, who, who would dare come against me and think that they're going to escape God said, I'm going to pierce that serpent. I'm going to slay him. I'm going to slay the, the monster, Leviathan. Who's he talking about? Sin, serpent, Satan. He's going to take him out. Hallelujah. He says, fury is not in me. He said, I don't want to do this. This is not my nature, but I have to. Because of what's been done to my creation and those whom I love. I have to. Who's going to take hold of my strength? Or he, that he may make peace with me. God is asking a rhetorical question, really. And he shall make peace with me. In other words, take hold of the Lord. He's saying, call out to me. Grab hold of my strength. I'm here. Think about it for a moment. The whole earth being shaken by God's judgment and his wrath and his anger. And yet he's calling out to men to take hold of me. I'm your strength in this time of distress. I'm the one who can help you. Reach out to me. Reach out to me. Do you know, we, we hear preachers in Paul, I've heard it all my Christian life. And I imagine there's still people saying, saying I don't go to churches anymore and, and listen to that, but I imagine the same thing. Oh, we're going to have a big revival. Brother God is telling me that the revival's coming. Have a great revival before Jesus shows up. Have you heard that? Is it in the book? No. Oh, we're going to have the latter rain. I thought we had that already. Let me let me clarify and straighten that and make correction on you. There is a revival coming. 
the biggest the world has ever seen. But it's not like you think. It's not going to be by the preaching of the gospel of the church. It's going to be through the destruction of the Almighty. The biggest revival. Now we've had the church age for almost 2,000 years. 2,000 years. How many generations is that? If you count somebody says the 40. I've heard the, the term 40. So 40 generations. How many get saved in each of those generations do you think? 2%, 5%, 10%? You know, we don't know. No, we're speculating. But a minority. If you add all that up, now do you know at the time of Jesus, I forget what they said, it was 200 million people living in the world. 200 million? Yeah. No, in Jesus' day. Mm-hmm. How many live on earth today? That's 7 billion. 7 billion. You think there's a, a, a coincidence in that? It's as high as it's been since post-flood. Seven billion human beings. Now think about this. When the church is removed, I mean, people just disappear. What do you think is going to happen? Tony, think about it. What would happen if just tomorrow, poof, millions of people just disappear right off there? Knocking down the church doors. We'll be knocking down the church doors. How many people will think, my God, that, that crazy preacher up there spouting that nonsense, he was right. I hope it's not you. Don't be talking. I'm going to talk about you now. You, <laughs> you, better, you better be going up with me now. Come on. But there are going to be a lot of people sitting in the pews. Come on. Who are like, that was real. Maybe people you've talked to. People in your family. People always talk about, well, you know, my daughter or my son. And then I say, hey man, don't worry about it, brother. I mean, really, you've done everything you can. It's on them. It's not over. Christians talk about, well, when the rapture comes, it's all over. Nobody's going to get saved. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. More people in that first three and a half years of that tribulation are going to come to faith in Christ, probably, I'm just throwing this out, probably than the entire 2,000 year church age. Think about that. I mean, John said, I saw the number of them who came out of great church, a no man could number. They're going to have a choice, okay? They're going to have a choice. You take the mark and you go to hell or you lose your head. You go to heaven. My Bible says they love not their lives even to death. Article in the uh, Quail Report talks about 30,000 guillotines in the United States kept on certain FEMA camps sites throughout the United States. Why guillotine? We don't use that method of execution. But the Antichrist will. You can kill 1,000 people every three minutes. Why all the favoritism do you think to Muslims in Europe and in Germany and Sweden and France and even now with uh, trying to get over here? Why, why Muslims when they're bound and determined to kill you? Oh, but there's extremist Muslims and then there's the good Muslims. Really? Really? Is there extremist Christians and then non-extremist Christians? You either believe the book or you don't. Their book says behead the infidel if they won't convert. You think something's coming down the line? Paul says he that withholdeth will withhold until he be taken out of the way. And then the man of sin will be revealed. Who's withholding this evil? The Holy Spirit through the church. For the sake of the church. And once we're removed, it's going to come on the scene. And that's just the first three and a half years. People are going to die left and right. Then they're going to attack Israel. Who hates Israel more than anybody else in this world? Elam. Islam. Come on now. Put it together. 
who's backing this on? We just sold $370 billion worth of what, fighter planes to Saudi Arabia. Who's bet on the destruction of who? The church sits back and doesn't pay attention. All that preacher's crazy. I'm reading it in the book right here. Come on. But here's the, the outreach is God is going to save a remnant. He's going to restore Israel and He's going to ultimately bless the world through who? Through Israel. What did He tell Abraham? All nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. Now how is Israel going to bless the world? Through their Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. Come on now. And this is why. Look what He says. Verse 6 of chapter 27. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. He has smitten him. Who smote him? God did. God has smitten the Jews because they rejected him. Come on. And he'll smite those who smote him. Those that go against the Jews, God's going to deal with in his anger. He is slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him. In measure, when it shooteth forth, you will debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. What is God going to do with this great tribulation? Of this great payday that's coming? He's going to purge the nation of Israel of its sin. And they're going to come to faith in their Messiah, which will result, listen to me, in the salvation of the whole world. Do you see God has a big plan? We're living in a part of that plan where He's just saving primarily Gentiles. He's calling a Gentile bride. The book of Ruth is a perfect illustration of a Gentile bride coming to Israel to faith in the God of Israel. The story of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz is a picture of what God is doing. We're just a, a fragment of that picture. God's going to save Israel. The Scripture says all Israel will be saved even as in a day. What day is that? The day of the Lord. The day of His anger will result in the rebirth and the, and the new birth of His people. They'll come into the new covenant. Hallelujah. He's going to take out the stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. He's going to be their God. He's going to walk in them, talk in them. He'll be their God and they'll be His people. He's going to purge their iniquity is what he says. And take away, verse 9, their sin. When he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, then the groves and the images shall not stand up. God's going to take down the idols and he's going to set up his person within the thrones of his own people's hearts. Man wants to live apart from God. Israel has wanted to do its own thing. The Gentiles want to do their own thing. You maybe want to do your own thing. Maybe like Jonathan Livingston Seagull. I long for freedom and I'm going, I'm getting more freedom since I gave up God, said a University of Helsinki student. Give up God and you get freedom. God, He's, he's going to restrict you. God's going to hold you back. What did the serpent tell the woman in the garden? Hath God said? He knows when you eat, you're going to get more knowledge than you've ever had. How many know he's a liar? And he was a liar from the beginning. And we see people today, just like this Finnish student, they're typical of how men go about the pursuit of happiness in the world. Their first step often is to give up God. That is, they convince themselves that God doesn't really exist or that He's not really a factor in life. And this makes them free to gratify their appetites to an unlimited extent. You know, we've lived in the age of hedonism. If it feels good, do it. Tune in, turn on, drop out. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, according to Alistair Crowley. But it brings death. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Scripture teaches us just the opposite. That God is sovereign. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He's holy. His payday will come. Sooner rather than later for us. He will destroy the works of men's sinful hands. He will humiliate man's prideful boasts. You ever notice how 
when our politicians are talking in this terrible culture that we're in, they're all telling us how we're going to make everything great again. What a joke. We need to repent and turn to a holy God. He's the only one that can make things great again. They can't agree among themselves. But for us, His own people, the church, the chosen of Israel, amen, there'll be preservation, restoration, and ultimately reward for a life well lived. Because God is faithful, His people may be certain that He will punish evil and that He will care for those who belong to Him. They, we can go to Him through faith in Christ with our problems, our needs, and our burdens. We can cast ourselves unreservedly upon Him because He cares for us. And as a result, we can have perfect peace of mind and heart even in these troubled times. Great peace have they who love Thy law. No stumbling block is in their path. Psalm 119, 165. We serve a God who's going to bring a payday to this earth. Now, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to the trumpet. I'm looking to hear that sound because we're going home. Let's stand this morning. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.